Colossians 14. If you're grabbing one of the Pew Bibles, uh, page 960. I love Scripture, and I love how as God... um, As this narrative of Scripture, this redemptive narrative of Scripture is laid out, you can see something absolutely beautiful. Um, I I don't know how many of you uh, know a lot about the Old Testament, but there is something. uh, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created male and female. He put all things into order, and it was absolutely beautiful. Everything functioned perfectly. All relationships were perfect. Everything was in order. And God was ultimately glorified. Genesis 2, we see very quickly uh, the fall of humanity. And at that point, all literally hell broke loose. There was destruction. There was uh, a, a break in relationship between man and God, man and his wife, man and work. It, it was just everything was thrown off kilter. And from that point on, God said, listen, I will provide a way for you to, to bring unity and, and peace, shalom back to how things are supposed to be. And it's towards that end that we look as Christians when God will bring absolute perfection with the second coming of Jesus Christ. But until that time, we wait with great anticipation. Back to the Old Testament. The people in the Old Testament, much like us, didn't get it. We still don't get it. There was a point in Genesis 11 where um, humanity was starting to get some skills together. They knew how to build some buildings. And if you know the story of the Tower of Babel, there is this humanity is coming together and they are building this tower. And what did they want to do? They wanted to reach God. They wanted to be in control. They wanted to be the center of the universe. And so they built this. And finally God goes, hold on a second. My goal is that you don't come together and just be together. And to, for it to be all about you. So what did God do? He confused their language. And from that point, Genesis 11, there was the scattering and the many nations. Everything changed. It wasn't just one language. It was multiple language. And what did God, God even use that scattering to bring out, to spread out to the entire world His name and His fame. Since that time in history, we've seen nations rise and fall. We've seen uh, different languages and cultures come out of that. All in need of what? Redemption of Jesus Christ. The beginning of the Gospels, they all start off with Jesus. God's ultimate picture of redemption. It's in Jesus Christ that we, as believers in Jesus Christ, find our hope, our salvation, 
our life. And for 33, 32 some odd years, Jesus lived, walked, breathed, ministered perfectly. He, he, he inaugurated His kingdom. His kingdom of perfection where it shall have no ends. And God is made much of. He provided in His perfect life and His sinless death a way for humanity to have life. He took upon Himself the wrath of God because we're known as objects of wrath. Because He is a holy God. And before Him, we cannot even stand. So Jesus took upon the wrath of God and said, I shall become the way. I will take on all of that. I shall take on the sins of humanity, past, present, and future, so that my people, who will call upon my name, shall be saved. He died, He rose again, and He ascended to the right hand of the Father. And then something happened. Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem. Wait in Jerusalem. Because what's going to happen next is going to blow your mind. In Acts chapter 2, the church today, our North American church, very quickly looks at Acts chapter 2 and they look at uh, the practice of how the church should act. So why don't you just real quick keep a finger in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, fly over to your left a few pages to Acts chapter 2. Fifty days after Jesus' ascension, is the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. So that's all the disciples who still believe that there's hope, that Jesus was the hope for the world. They were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound, like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are these not, are, are not all these, I've lost my, sorry, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya, belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, 
we hear them telling in our own languages the mighty works of God. And they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, there's another group, but others said, they are filled with new wine. In other words, these guys are drunk. At Pentecost, God did a tremendous reversal. He took what He had separated and spread out. And at Pentecost, He said, listen, you are all one in Christ. Even though there may be different languages, you are all one. And the message of redemption and salvation is for the world. But there's something eerie about this for most people in the church. They started speaking in what? Tongues. Speaking in other languages as as the Spirit gave, gave utterance. So as the Holy Spirit was coming upon them, He filled them in this particular instance in a way that was dynamic. It's like going to the United Nations and not needing the translator little earbuds anymore because the ones who are speaking, we all understand what they're saying. And How could this be so? They're speaking in our languages. And he, he's, he lives in New Lenox. I know that he does not understand the languages of our, our... What is going on? Turn to your right to 1 Corinthians. Chapter 14. Last week we talked about prophecy. That uh, in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1, the Apostle Paul is speaking to the church and he says, pursue love. Pursue love and earnestly desire what? This, these, these spiritual gifts that the Spirit has given to you, earnestly desire them. Because they are for the common good of the body, for the mission that God has us on. They're, they're given to us to build up the body and encourage the body and to send the body out. But do it within the context of just God's love. Pursue love. Earnestly desire the gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Now, for some people, the gift of prophecy is, is one of these things where I, I can easily swallow that. These prophetic, uh, spontaneous um, words that are meant for the church, to build up the church. I, I, I can get that, I can wrap my head around that, because more than likely you've had some kind of experience with a brother or sister in Christ who just says, you know what, I just really sense that God is saying this. And in your heart of heart you go, uh-huh. Where'd you come up? How did you know? And your, your heart just goes, that is God speaking through this person. Everything that they are saying matches up with Scripture. It's in line with Scripture. Everything that they are saying is true. And my heart is rendered 
before a holy God. But Paul goes on in this section to talk about something that for many of us in the evangelical circles wrestle with. It's it's a tough thing. So this morning, I need a little bit of grace as we wrestle through this. And so that's something that I need. This is something that you need. Ears that can hear. I, I need you to listen to what God has to say through His Scriptures that we believe are trustworthy. That are God-breathed. So, 1 Corinthians 14. Pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For the one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one who no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in his spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself, builds up himself. But the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Let's pause there. I'm going to break it into a few sections this morning. When I think about us coming together as a corporate body for Sunday morning, or when you come together in, in your missional communities, what are some, um, some optional things that you should be bringing uh, to those gatherings? Throw them out. What are some optional things that you should be bringing to a Sunday morning corporate worship gathering or to a missional community small group Bible study? Optional. Bible? Bible? Food? Uh, you're pushing it. Food, okay, what else? Optional? Notebook? Prayer request? Family? <laughs> what are you saying, honey? Anything else? What, what would you say are some absolutely required things that when we come together, we must bring what? What? Yeah, obviously, ourselves. Good. What else? An open heart. Receptive. Anything else? If you were part of the finance team, they'd say, you absolutely must bring your tithes and offerings, you know. (laughs) Come on, let's pass the plate again. But as we look at this scripture this morning, I want us to really be asking the question, what is it that God is saying that we must in our corporate gatherings, whether it be uh, formally on a Sunday morning or whether it be in our small group settings, what is it that God says that, Absolutely, this is a must that you must bring. A a mandatory thing that you must bring to the body. Okay? Now, here, 
in just this first section, Paul is saying to the church in Corinth, which, which was an absolute mess, um, he is saying, listen, here's my question for you guys. Why, why are you focusing on these two things? There seems to be this jousting match between prophecy and tongues. Prophecy and tongues. This little battle of who's got the, the more powerful, the better spiritual gift. So the Apostle Paul starts off in chapter 12 saying, listen, the spiritual gifts, the purpose of spiritual gifts are for, it's like a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good of the body. These gifts that, that have been given to you by the Holy Spirit are used for the common good. They're not just for me, 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 me. They're for the common good of the body. To build up the body. To encourage it. To bring it out into mission. It's for the good of the body. And so he lays that out in thirteen, in 12. And then he goes on to 13. And he goes into quite, quite a... A tirade here about, about, listen, let me tell you about the greatest thing. Love. Love, agape, God-sized love is the critical, most important thing. That is the context that envelops all the spiritual gifts, how you function as a church. It, you function within love. So let me tell you, you folks in Corinth have a problem. You've got this jousting match between prophecy and tongues. And it is going back and forth. Do I need to go back to chapter 13 for you? Love one another. Love. Because you do this and you're just going to be a clanging gong. You, you do this and you're going to be just, just this obnoxious noise that is going on. Love is critical to our working together for God to be glorified, for Him to be made manifest, to be seen within the world. You must love. That is why, I'll tell you, if we have conflict issues within the church, it has got to be addressed. We've got to learn how to love one another. Speak the truth in love. Because it, it shows the unity of the body of Christ. And chapter 14, he is saying, listen, here's a problem. You're jousting. You're fighting. And I'm going to speak directly towards the problem. And in 14, he talks about two specific spiritual gifts that were a problem. They might not be the problem of Missio Dei Church. They could someday. But he talks about two. Speaking in tongues and prophecy. Now, just for definition's sake, speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues is speaking to God in a language that is unknown to the speaker and typically unknown to the hearer. If you look in here, it, you see in verse 2, the one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to... God, he's speaking to God for no one understands him, but he is, he utters what mysteries in his spirit. The one who is speaking in tongues is speaking these absolute, I don't know what these words are, but God is giving me a, 
a language that I don't quite understand. But it's a mystery in my spirit. And it's a gift from God. A grace gift. Prophecy. Prophecy is the spontaneous word given to God's people for the edification of the whole. In Corinth, the tongues were being spoken uninterpreted. Nobody understood what was going on. And Paul informs them that by no means is he opposed to tongues, but he was clear about this. The goal in corporate worship is not primarily about personal edification. The, corporate, the goal of corporate gathering of the church is to bring praise and honor and glory to God. It's upward. But it is also for each individual to seek the edification, the, the growth, the upbuilding of the others who are present. So our corporate worship, our times together, is primarily, first and foremost, about lifting up Jesus. In our songs, in our teaching, it is about magnifying Jesus Christ, worshiping Him, enjoying and savoring Him. But the second goal in our corporate worship, our times that we come together as a body, is to build one another up. Encourage. Console. Build up the body of Christ. It's not primarily our time coming together. And Paul was hard on him about this. It's not primarily about coming and receiving personal satisfaction. You are not the center of this gathering. It's not about you. I don't know how many people that I have seen in my time in, in being in the church of Jesus Christ from my earliest times to up to today about people who talk about, well, it, it just didn't, it just wasn't, it just wasn't good for me. I, I, I didn't like this. I didn't, it, it, and this, it, the conversation tends about to be about who? Me. Well, it, it's just not meeting my needs. Well, there's not very many people like me there. Really? Are you serious? So the goal of our corporate coming together is about you? you you've put yourself on, on the God platform and said, it's really about me. And Paul is saying, whoa, you've got it all wrong. He's, he's saying that we have got to be careful about how we measure success. You cannot measure success about how you are feeling after everything is done. Instead, we must ask, was the church edified? Was the church built up and encouraged and challenged and pushed forward? And second thing that we have got to ask, and this is the primary question, was God exalted? And here, in this first section, Paul is saying, in your worshiping together, 
God is not being exalted. You are being exalted. You are exalting the gifts that I have given you. You are putting this over this. And when, I, when people come into your gathering, it is an absolute mess. It's a disaster. And in no way am I saying that you should not speak in spiritual tongues. But I, 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 I want you to understand how to use this. And he goes on and gives them some illustrations, some absolutely clear illustrations of what it looks like to come to corporate worship selfishly when it's all about you. Read in, in verse 6. Now, brothers, if I would come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments, such as a, a flute or a harp, do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves. If with your tongue you utter a speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world and none are without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I'll be a foreigner to the speaker and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for the manifestations of the Spirit, since you are pursuing spiritual gifts, strive to excel in building up the church. So whatever you are doing in your corporate worship gathering, he's specifically speaking about prophecy and tongues, but whatever you are doing in your corporate worship gatherings, in your missional community gatherings, as the body comes together, excel, work hard, pursue at building up the church. Make much of Jesus Christ. So here he's saying, obviously, there's a struggle within the church with those who speak in tongues and those who speak words of prophecy. And Paul illustrates what is the critical gathering of the body. He says that corporate intelligibility is critical. Corporate intelligibility. Being able to understand what is being said in your corporate gatherings is critical. Words must be understandable to all. This week, as the elders gathered on Thursday, we talked about what is Christian discipleship? What is, uh, what is discipleship? And one of the... Uh, we read an article by a man named uh, Michael Horton. And Michael Horton um, had this... Uh, sentence that struck out struck us he says this christian discipleship is founded on words specifically the words of christ so look at romans romans ten seventeen. so faith comes from what from hearing and hearing through the The word of Christ. Our corporate gathering, words are critical. 
Words are critical. So the point of our gathering is not personal, spirit-filled experience, but it's about the building up of the body and all of its parts. But now he goes into this, this next section. And I'm going to need you to kind of hold on with me. He goes on here. Verse 13. Therefore, anyone who speaks in a tongue should pray for the power to interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit. But I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit. But I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider, somebody who's new to your gathering, somebody who's not a part of your body, how can they say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in another tongue. In this section, this is probably one of the most clear and detailed descriptions of the gift of tongues, the spiritual gift of tongues. And we need to understand this, that tongues are not these, this ecstatic phenomenon that we cannot control. It doesn't just happen and the person just starts, you know, kind of writhing around on the floor and their, their mind is just kind of... Paul is saying, no, listen, I, I, if I'm, I'm singing praises to God in the spirit, I can also do that in the mind. I can turn it on and turn it off, understanding what is my context. If I got words of thanksgiving and my spirit is just flowing out of, of praise and worship in a tongue that I don't understand, man, praise be to God. But if I am in the context of a corporate worship setting, I understand that I need to edify the body and I need to use words that edify the body. Paul is also saying, listen, the audience here when speaking in tongues, is God. Not the church. When, you, when you're speaking in tongues, Paul is saying, listen, you're speaking these, these mysteries in your spirit. You're speaking them to God. And God is glorified. Yes, absolutely. And that is wonderful. And God enjoys it. Because He has given you this gift to encourage your heart, encourage your mind, encourage your spirit. Encourage your personal walk with Jesus Christ. And it's a beautiful thing. But these are words to God. So when you come together with the body of Christ, Paul is saying, listen, use words that are understandable. And Paul, I, part of me wishes I could have been a fly on the wall in Paul's prayer closet or his prayer tent, whatever they had back then. I wish that I could have been there. Because he's saying, listen, you guys think you speak in tongues? I speak in tongues far more than any of you. Far more. 
Paul's prayer life is praise and singing to God, thankfulness to God, speaking in tongues and doing it that way. In his private prayer closet, his private prayer life, it was just rich and he would speak in tongues and God was just rich and beautiful. He says, I I have a beautiful prayer life. So Paul is not abolishing speaking in tongues. He's saying, but it must be done in absolute good and beautiful order so that the church is built up. Now, there's this weird section here. And some of you are going, what are you talking about? This whole sermon is weird. But verse 20 Paul goes on to say, Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it's written, by people of strange tongues and the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people, and even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. While prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers but for believers if therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders and unbelievers enter will they not say that you are out of your mind but if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an outsider enters he is convicted by all He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so, falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. The Apostle Paul is referring to uh, the prophet Isaiah in chapter 28, 11 and 12. And he is saying uh, the children of Israel have been unfaithful. God has, has, by His words, spoke to them. Through the prophets, He has spoke to them. And they still don't hear intelligible words. And what happens? God says, I am going to bring judgment upon you. How am I going to bring judgment upon you to get your attention? I'm going to bring a foreign nation, the Assyrians, in. I'm going to bring them in and they will bring you into captivity. In fact, they they conquered the whole northern part of Israel and part of the southern part as well. And when they came in, what did they come in with? Languages that Israel could not understand. And as Israel is hearing this prophecy, And their hearts are reminded of this prophecy. They hear these tongues as unbelievers. And it's a sign of what? God's judgment. You are not, your life is not ordered by the things of God. You're not functioning as the body, the Israel, the people that I've called you to be, my chosen people. So there is judgment. And the same way, Assyria is coming in and going, 
these people are being conquered as a sign of judgment. Because they are not being faithful. In the same way Paul is saying to this early church, listen, if you continue to function this way, you continue to be all about you and function outside of love, but function as, as selfish people. Where an, an outsider is going to come into your, your worship service and there is this battle of people speaking in tongues and prophecy and it's this loud cacophony of noise. They are going to come in and go, what in the world is going on? God cannot be present here. It is a sign of God's judgment because they are not building up the body. They are not encouraging the body. God is not being exalted. These people are being exalted. He goes on to talk about prophetic words, intelligible words. And as these words are spoken, an outsider comes in. And what happens? Words of truth hit them at the core. And what do they do? Their secrets of his heart is disclosed and he falls on his face and he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. So for me, I need to share a personal story and this is generally a pretty safe place. Right? <laughs> that's not <laughs> that's not encouraging. Before Laura and I got married, um, I took a weekend job at Camp Manitoba to be a host. Uh, and basically, your your job as a host is there's outside groups that come in and they want to use the facilities. Uh, for maybe a church retreat, maybe a CCD thing, maybe it was this or that. So there's all these these groups that are coming in. And Camp Manitoba has this way of bringing in very diverse groups. Very diverse groups. They're, n- they're not all the same. Even theologically, they're, they're all over the map. And some of them are just plain old Boy Scouts, you know, that don't have, well, not just plain old Boy Scouts, but, but they're not necessarily religious uh, church kind of groups. So you'll get everything from Boy Scouts to the quilters to um, you name it. They all come wanting to use the facilities. And I was there this particular weekend. And there was a beautiful Hispanic group from the city that I just fell in love with. This was a group of people who, I'll tell you, love was central. And if, you, if you've ever been around a Hispanic family or Hispanic uh, neighborhood, family is central. They eat together. They worship together. Their worship services take about all day because it's, it's all about family and loving and caring for one another. And so there was something in my heart that was just drawn to this particular group. And I go, I love these people. But there were other groups, so I had to give my attention elsewhere and make sure that everybody got fed, make sure everybody had their campfires all started. And, you know, finally the end of the day came and uh, 
this, this lady, her name was Rosa. I don't know why I remember her name, but her name was Rosa. Uh, she said, uh, Mr. Paul, we would love for you to join us at the campfire that you made for us. And I, you guys need your own time. But as the, the sun went down, it got dark. I was the only one, you know, serving people. I was like, all right, I don't have anything to do. I'm going to the campfire. Roast some marshmallows and just have a great time. Little did I know that this was not just a campfire. The guitars were out and they were, I'll tell you, they were singing their hearts out to God. There were tears that were flowing as they repented to one another. They hugged one another. They loved on one another. And after a little bit, Rosa comes over. Because I'm standing in the back going, okay, in my little vanilla village, this is absolutely weird. You know, I've been in the camping culture. This is, this is off the charts, how these people love and care for each other. I had standing in the back just watching. What is this? What is going on? And my heart was so encouraged and heavied and burdened and loving God and loving these people that I, my only connection is their fellow Christians. And my heart was just glad. And Rosa comes over to me and says, Mr. Paul, may I pray for you? I said, absolutely. She comes over and she puts her hands on my head and just starts praying for that God would transform my mind and work on me. And then she gently puts her little Hispanic, warm brown hand on my heart and prays that God's Spirit would move in my heart to love people. And I was praying along and just, Lord, may this be true of me. And in that moment, something absolutely beautiful happened. For the first time, and I must admit, the only time. My tongue was free to sing praises, thankfulness to God in words that I do not understand. My mind was going, what is going on? But this is absolutely beautiful. A crowd came around and more started praying for me. And then they walked away. The scary thing for me in sharing this story is my post-experience. I had a body of people that was cold to the working of the Spirit. I said, that's not possible. What you experienced was not true. I'd shy away from that, Paul. Whatever that was, it was not of God. Brothers and sisters, I believe according to the Word of God that God works in powerful ways that we cannot explain. He speaks today to His church 
as we are grounded and founded on the Word of God as our sole measure of truth, of how to live our lives. The Spirit of God speaks to His church today. He works to build up His body today through the gifts of the Spirit for the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. He does that through teaching. He does that through acts of service. You want to know who's, who set these chairs up? The guys did it this morning for the common good of the body. Singing songs using your gifts of organization and, and putting together keys and chords and charts and stuff like that. You know what that is? It is God using through, the, through His Spirit, enabling us to manifest His Spirit for the common good. The same is true. I am convinced of prophecy. The same is true for speaking in tongues. Paul did not abolish it. In fact, he said, I speak it in in tongues more than any of you. But I want you to do it in an orderly way that builds up the body of Christ. So here's some of my applications. For those of you who do have the gift of speaking in tongues, and I don't know if there's any of us who do. I want to encourage you. Speak in tongues more at home. Edify your spirit. Edify your spirit, your mind. Glorify God, singing songs and praises and prayers of thanksgiving to God. Do that at home. Excel in your private use. But if you don't have the gift of tongues, ask for it. Paul says in 14 verse 1, he says what? Pursue love. Earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Earnestly desire. The word in there is Uh, zealous, zealously desire the spiritual gifts. So if one of the spiritual gifts is speaking tongues, ask for it. God will grant you the gift that is appropriate for you. We've already said, do do all teach? Do all speak in tongues? Do all prophesy? No! That's how I created the body. You're not all a hand. You're not all a leg. You're not all of this. You're not all of that. Each of you have your own function and part within the body. But pursue it. Also, another point of application is earnestly pursue the gift of prophecy. Desire words that comfort and strengthen the church. Ask God again for this gift. A gift that builds up the body of Christ. 
and practice your gift. Not practice like you're, you're shooting free throws. Use your gift for the edification of the body, whether that be done in a small group setting, one-on-one, however it works out. Use your gift. And I'm gonna, here's, here's just the last one. Last application is develop a passion for edification. Develop a passion for edification. That was Paul's central thing is build up the church. Build, whatever you do, build up the church. So what must you bring to church? What must be the absolutely important thing that when the body comes together, when brothers and sisters in Christ come together, what, what, must, what must we bring? Words that strengthen and comfort. How do we do that? Pray for one another. Intentionally pray for one another. Pray for those who have public roles, upfront roles. Pray for me. Pray for those who are leading worship. Pray for those who are praying. Pray for those who are giving announcements. Pray for those who have a public role and responsibility in leading the body, who are trying to edify the body, to make much of Jesus Christ. Pray for them and encourage them in your prayers. You know what? Pull Todd Pabin aside. Pull Sydney. Pull Deb. Pull Nathan. Whoever is playing up here and say, hey, before we start this morning, can I, can I pray for you? I want to give you words that strengthen and comfort and encourage you. Paul, can, can I pray for you before you bring the message this morning? I just want to encourage you. Also, just, is there somebody here or not here that you can comfort using words? Is there somebody, as you look across the the room and you go, man, I just need to give that person some words that encourage, that edify, that build up. Is it a new person? Somebody that you don't know and just say, hey, I, I want to I welcome you. I want to encourage you. I want to build you up. I don't know what you're going through in your life, but you know what? I believe that God has a word for you today. It might be through the message that is being preached, but it may be my, my welcome You are welcome here. My prayer, Missio Dei Church, is that as we recognize more more and more of the Gospel at work in our lives, as we repent more, we become more in touch with what God's Spirit is doing in and among us, That as we pursue the gifts that God has given us and we exercise them 
in the context of agape, God-sized love. That this body, my hope is that this body is built up. That is encouraged. We're strengthened. We're comforted. And that as we leave this place, we become the fragrance of Christ in a lost and broken world. The church becomes visible as we go out, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Pursue love. Earnestly desire all the spiritual gifts. especially prophecy. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you um, that you are a God not of confusion but of peace. That you are a God of wisdom and not confusion. You are a God who desires our growth and our dependence on you. Instead of our stagnant lives that are dependent on ourselves. Jesus, I thank you so much for the work that you have done on the cross. Because by the cross, we can have new life. As we die to ourselves, our wants, our needs, and our heart is transformed and we are incorporated into the vine, to the body of Christ. Man, how we come to new life within you. That the Spirit fills our lives and gives us a new perspective on how to, how to live. Jesus, I thank you that your work has made that possible. And how the Spirit testifies to how that is true. God, I pray that this body, in the timeline that you have given us, Lord, that we together nurture, develop, pursue the spiritual gifts that you have given us that are for the common good of this body. God, I pray for those who currently have or desire the gift of speaking in tongues. God, would you give it to them in accordance to their faith? God, may this also be a safe body for them to put it into practice. God, also for those who desire to speak your words faithfully, these words of prophecy, God, would you give them the gift in accordance to their faith, this grace gift. And God, may together it be used, all the gifts used to build up the body of Christ. 
Jesus, I thank You for how we can even see the beauty of the body of Christ in communion. And that how by the cross, You, you gave of Your life, Your blood. You became the, the wrath of God so that we may have life. We may be adopted children. And how You call us to be one body. So God, as we come to the table, God, I ask that You prepare our hearts. Lord, that You open our hearts to uh, the truth. And God, if there's anyone here, that You have opened their minds to the beauty of the Gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. God, would You give them the courage to confess with their mouth as they believe in their heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. So God, would you work in us, even through communion. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When he was with his disciples, he took bread. And he broke it. Saying, this is my body. It's broken for you. To redeem you. To save you. To heal you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup of blessing. And as he poured it out, said, this is my blood that is poured out for you freely so that you may have life to this in remembrance of me. Those who are serving, please come forward. During communion, a song will be played. The words will be up for you as a meditation. Come when you are ready. Come for all things are ready.